Hey there, Pinpoint Players. Tim here with the Pinpoint Player Podcast, joined with my buddy Rambo. What's going on, everybody? I want to thank you for joining us again for our se- second season of the podcast, going through the high score documentary on Netflix. But today, we're going to take a special break from that and discuss uh, the Pokemon card craze that's continuing throughout this year. That's right. And when this episode drops, it'll be February 17th. And in just two days from this episode recording, the new Pokemon card is going to drop. Or sorry, the new the new Pokemon card type is going to drop. Yeah, the, the expansion, yes. So what's special about this expansion is that it's, 20, it's Pokemon's 25th anniversary this year. And Pokemon is pulling out all the stops to celebrate their 25th anniversary, including with their expansion. Uh, there's a couple of things that I wanted to discuss with the pinpoint players and Ramsey, if you'll indulge me. Oh, definitely. I mean, and I'll come up with one right off the bat. So, for there's definitely a different. There's definitely two schools of thought to the Pokemon card collecting craze. One of them is just simply for the nostalgia's sake of, hey, I had this card from when I was little, and I just rummaged through my stuff and I found it recently, and I want to see how valuable it is for just kind of holding it on to. So that way, it's further protected from degrading once you have it graded by PSA or Beckett, let's say. That's one school of thought. Then the other school of thought that I think people have is just flat out turning Pokemon cards or trading cards in general into an investment platform. So in the same way that people used to do with sports cards. And I know everyone's probably perusing eBay that was tangentially related to Pokemon back in the day to kind of flip it later, get it graded and turn it into an investment. But then there are others like you, and even like me to an extent, where you just want to collect it and just kind of hold it in your possession. I personally, my favorite Pokemon is Pidgeot. And I have a whole Pidgeot that I sent graded, and it's going to take a very long time to get back. Yeah, it is. It's unfortunate. But I have almost no interest in selling it. Even if it comes back at 10 and it could be worth, you know, maybe a couple grand, let's say. I'd still want to keep it because it's my favorite Pokemon card. Now, other Pokemon... May not be as lucky. My Yu-Gi-Oh stuff, again, may not be as lucky. I probably would just sell those, flip them. But that gives you a sense of the kind of people that are interested in this trading card business. One for the nostalgia, and the other for the investment. And then, like me, for both. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's why I am uh, That's why I wanted to pull us together as a pinpoint player community and discuss the potential that we have. Um, I'm sure people out there who have heard about all of this going on and they're probably rummaging through their attics or basements and they're digging up all of these Pokemon cards uh, there's a lot to, to open up and package with this. I want to go through it kind of step by step and it's really easy. Pokemon pretty much laid out everything that you needed to know in terms of value, in terms of nostalgia uh, in, in the sense of uh, who we are as a community. First things first vintage vintage is stuff that is really valuable in the Wizards of the Coast it's basically the stuff from my childhood. So basically everything from, I want to say the early 2000s and before. So for every millennial or really old Gen Z that maybe just happened to be on the tail end of it, that is going to be the vintage stuff, the most valuable stuff. Yeah. Wizards of the Coast printed Pokemon cards between 1996 and 2003. So they had about six or seven expansions worth of Pokemon card printing. Most notable are base set Fossil Jungle, Team Rocket, uh, Base Set 2, Legendary, and the E-Series. The E-Series were the last Wizards of the Coast products, and they were able to be scanned onto your Game Boy Advance through an E-Card reader, which was sold separately. And 
they had a couple of promotion uh, promotional Pokemon cards that came with it. You find those, you find that sealed up and packaged. If you have that, just hold on to that. That's a that's a piece of Nintendo nostalgia history. Or for those folks that happen to have a booster box or booster pack that they never opened from back in the day, just sitting around in their attic basement. Um, even that alone is worth a couple grand on eBay unopened. So again, there are people that will pay for this stuff. There certainly are, because each set had its own specific set of Pokemon. And as we all know, we all have certain types of favorite Pokemon. Ramsey, I know that yours is Pidgeot. I, I, I'm pretty sure I've explained mine is Raichu. But in the terms of the market, the big three that everyone seems to share in some sort of sense, and let me know if this is true for you, Rambo, in terms of favorite Pokemon, at the top, Charizard. Yep, definitely. I certainly, yeah, I certainly, I, I like Charizard. Charizard from a... Definitely the monetary aspect, hands oh down. God. Yeah, um, Charizard cards, it actually doesn't matter in terms of which set you have a Charizard. If you have a Charizard, in terms of finance, you actually are sitting on between 500 and $1,000. It doesn't matter. If it's in good condition, that only increases your value. And that's ungraded, by the way. That's what they're selling for, essentially. And that is in line with modern Charizards, too. The second Pokemon that everyone seems to be in agreement is one of their favorites, Lugia. Lugia, really? That one was kind of a surprise to me that that was the second most popular. Mm -hmm. But but again, you're the expert here among the two of us. From what I've seen, uh, the larger sales in terms of Pokemon cards have been, been between um, a particular number of Pokemon, Charizard, um, the base starters, Venusaur Blastoise, um, Cinder Ace, whichever that is, it's a newer one. But these cards are starting to trend in value. From the day that they were released, they were pennies to a dollar, and now they're going up to 30 to $40. So in the same sense that you know, a, a new stock kind of rises in its peak, I'm seeing that the starter Pokemon have started to also do that same trend. Because we, when we play the game, we're always picking our favorites. Yes, and that's especially true when we played the old Game Boy games back when we were kids. You had Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and Charmander. And naturally, because it's the ones that we started out with, we play with them, we evolve them, and naturally we want the things that we you know, started out with the most. And for me, that's definitely Bulbasaur, Venusaur, because yeah. I, I, I picked Bulbasaur. Almost everybody I know, it's funny, there was a survey, and most people picked, I think, Charmander, and then Squirtle was the second most, and the third most was Bulbasaur, but... Even as a kid, I just I always went Bulbasaur. I mean, when I re would replay the game, I picked the other types. But anyway, neither here nor there. People are going to go with what they find nostalgic the most, what they pick the most. Yeah, uh, Charizard and Blastoise, out of the first generation, were the two most frequently picked starters. But strategically, a lot of YouTubers have stumbled upon that Venusaur may have actually been the better starter to pick. It was Grass-type, so you could easily beat Brock very quickly. And it was also strong against water type. So you had strong type advantage against Brock and Misty, who, after you defeated them, your Pokemon evolved and their stats increased. It's true, because by the time by the time you have to deal with a fire gym, at Cinnabar Island, so that's the seventh gym if my memory serves correct, so at that point, you've got a bunch of other Pokemon at your disposal to fight those fire types. So, you know what? That's a very good analysis. I never thought of it like that, but that makes entire sense now. So because we pick a starter, we immediately develop an attachment to that starter, whether it is Bulbasaur, Squirtle, Venusaur, 
Cinder, a score bunny. Um, I can't. I can't. There's just so many now. There are so many. There's one that's a pig. There's one that's an owl. I certainly like the owl. The upcoming set, which is being released through the promotion of the 25th anniversary, wait, Shining Fate. Wait, one sec. Um, what was the third one? Because he, because he said oh, Charizard, sorry. Lugia, and then what was the third one? The third Pokemon that everyone sort of is in agreement is one of their favorites, Mewtwo. Makes sense. That one, that one I buy entirely. You know, the last one of the original series. Pro, po- pushed upon the people by Pokemon because Mewtwo was the most powerful Pokemon at the time. Psychic in Gen 1 was OP. They just, there was no Pokemon other than like an Alakazam, which was Psychic as well, or a Mew, which was released later, that could take out Mewtwo. So everyone kind of in our generation knew Mewtwo was the most powerful. You always had Mewtwo in your party. Yes, definitely. Um, Provided you could get him. Providing you could, you didn't want to, you know, if you accidentally, if you accidentally killed him and then saved the game thinking, oh, I'll just catch him tomorrow. Yeah. You don't want to do that. You're doing that all over again. So, um, Mewtwo was also, you know, put into the lore by Pokemon because of our response to him, which was sort of an accident on Pokemon's part by accidentally making him the most powerful. So because we knew he was the most powerful, he, be, he followed along in the lore. And in the anime, he showed up a couple of times. In the Pokemon card system, most sets in a year will have him, and they'll have him usually as a secret rare or a hollow, which makes sense. Yes, definitely. So Pokemon, in terms of Pokemon cards and their investment value, those three pretty much will always be at a strong point because everyone loves them. So there you go, folks. If you're on the hunt and you want a good investment and you're willing to spend a little bit of money to get those in good condition, ungraded or pre-graded as it were, that those are good investment vehicles. You will pay a lot of money for them on eBay if you, if you go searching for them. You try and get them in a mint condition or damn near mint condition. But if you can do it and you can get them graded, you've got yourself a quite the investment vehicle in the same vein that people buy Rolexes to collect them and then storm as value because some people will just wear them i mean side tangent here with rolexes people like to collect them they'll wear them but they'll also have them as a collector now that people will just buy rolexes just to have them accrue in value because they all accrue value in a similar way of pokemon cards but rolexes are a different uh, game entirely so i'm gonna get out of that one because that's about the scope of my knowledge with rolexes yeah they're watches yeah well yeah they're they're very valuable jewelry laden watches that's do nothing but go up in value. And and the only thing else I know about it is they potentially make a limited run of certain types of Rolexes. And so that's why the value flies in the same way because Pokemon is doing the same with their uh, Pokemon cards. Uh, big news about this upcoming set, which uh, I think that everyone is actually going to have a very difficult time uh, getting their hands on Shining Fate. Uh, from what I've read recently, uh, pre-orders have sold out. So they may have sold more than what Nintendo intended to print. Classic Nintendo. So uh, there might be people whose pre-orders are delayed. Um, We may not see them on shelves for a while and if we attempt to do uh, a run on the day that they come out, I think we'll be waiting in a line. For a very long time because folks uh, in a couple days from this recording Tim and I are going to attempt we're going to attempt to go see if we can get ourselves a couple of these packs for ourselves or be nice. or if we're lucky a booster box but i got a feeling given the popularity of pokemon if not 
yeah, it's, it's probably not going to happen because, and for the reasons that he just explained, the other thing is because of all this notoriety with Pokemon lately, the Logan Paul video, the first one, the one yeah. where the booster I box. I also want to get into that, but yeah. The booster box that's, you know, he bought for 200000 and then there's this one guy. I'm blanking on his name, but he was on Pawn Stars. He was trying to sell him Charizards. They said no, but that's what got people interested in Pokemon first. I want to say four or five years ago. Same idea. The whole, hey, these are worth a lot. Oh my God, he's getting these much for his cards. Let me go rummage through my cards to see what I have. And then the whole craze kind of kicks off from there. Pokemon was always going to maybe reach this infliction point where they'd be worth quite a bit, but nobody knew exactly when for sure. So the events just kind of culminate together, and here we are today, yeah. 2021, talking about cards that, if you, you know, folks that have a Charizard and it's in great condition, you might have yourself anywhere from a couple grand to tens of thousands. Depends. It really, yeah. So the way that you're going to play this as, as the 10-point players um, is through the new set. Uh, the reason that I'm bringing up the the modern set, the Charizards, Lugias, the Mewtwo's, is because we all do have a favorite Pokemon. You know, we all have a starter that we uh, picked, and throughout the different generations of Pokemon uh, players, uh, the cards that you and I, Rambo, might you know look at and say, I don't know this Pokemon. I'm not really that interested. There are people out there who are interested, who will pay. Uh, they may not be of age to do that with the type of money we're looking for now. But the reason I want people interested in uh, this new set now is because there's over 190 known cards in the set. And then 100 shinies of these variants. The shinies will be most of the starters from this generation, the previous generation, and the generation before that. So these young kids are going to have these shining versions of these cards released this year and they may not be able to get their hands on them as a kid. When they grow up, they will have amassed the money to purchase these cards. So if you are lucky and you are able to pull one of these shining cards, which according to uh, the, the stats of the cards, might be one in, you know, uh, one in 200, considering oh. that it's half, literally half the, the set is going to be a shiny version of itself. Good God, half a percent. Just to get well, one of these. 190 cards and 100 of them are shiny. Right. No, I get that. It's just, those are slim odds. And it's kind of funny that you're saying that. The whole, of course. the idea that, you know, they might not, these kids might not be able to get them now and they will be able to potentially do it when they're adults, when they have money. And that's kind of funny. That's where you and I are coming at this right now. Cause so I have a bunch of my cards from the base sets, you know, days when you and I were kids. I put them in binders. I kept them in, you know, mostly good condition. Of course, scuffs are going to get here and there because they are between 20 and 25 years old. That said, we managed to collect a lot of them. However, there were a lot of cards that I just wasn't able to get back then because they were either very rare and I never got them in a booster pack or even when you go down to a local card shop back when those were a thing and you want to go buy some for yourselves. Oh, you want that Blastoise over there? Well, that's $30, which as an adult, you know, whatever. I mean, that's... That's a nice, you know, takeout dinner that you would get on DoorDash. But as a kid, it might as well have been a million dollars. And you just, it, as a kid, I just remember that feeling of, oh, I want those cards, but I can't afford them because it's nowhere near my birthday or Christmas. And, you know, I definitely didn't do well enough in school this semester to get like a reward. So, so what? I'm just going to have to longly look at this card and just not get it. And that's just the way it is. Or that's the way it was. So with that being said, 
I mean, I also have to uh, address the moral issue with it. Um, with with our with our you know gouging of the prices uh, through Logan Paul's uh, video, which I'd like to cover pretty soon. Um, do we think it's the right thing to do? I mean, the Pokemon trading card game is a game that a lot of children do play. Now, uh, you know, you know what is considered spoiling a child, what is considered raising a child properly. You know, the market is what the market is going to be what it's going to be. But as the people who are a part of that market, do you think it's the right thing to do? Do you think it would be moral? to buy something now from a child so they don't have the ability to buy it so that we can sell it to them later? Ah, that's an interesting question. And that's not when I was preparing to come with an answer, but I guess here's my take on it. So at one, once upon a time with sports cards, baseball, basketball, hockey, football, these cards were just purely for collecting for little kids. They would get their allowance money, go out, go to the place after school and go buy it. And kind of similarly, we did that with Pokemon. Although I will say these days, the idea of collecting something for a future investment is so mainstream to the point that almost everyone is just thinking about that as a potential investment vehicle. And is and nobody is thinking of the children in this case about... Yeah, no, seriously. No, like I can tell you right now, that is the first I thought about like, oh man, they're not playing with this stuff, which on the one hand, I do see an issue with it that we're potentially buying these cards from the lot so that way they can't have them to either sell it back to them in the medium term or in the long term. But on the other hand, I mean, these kids, I feel like have so many other interests and other things that occupy them, keep themselves busy. I'm not justifying. I'm not saying like, oh yeah, what we're doing is totally right, you know, whatever to them they can deal with it so there is a there is definitely a a moral dilemma that we are taking something that they want away and that they can't get for many years so oh i agree Uh, that's it's an interesting thing and it's not something that i wanted to have an answer for i just wanted to put it out there into the ether well that's the thing i i don't at at the time for the time being i just don't have a good answer because it's one of those like you never really think about it until you just actually stop to actually think about everything, all things considered. So the way that I look at it is um, if I go to the store and I want to purchase it and nothing is going to stop me from purchasing it, I'll purchase it. But if I go to the store and there's a kid there and I grab it and the kid just looks up and says, Dang, the last one. I'm going to turn to that kid and be like, you know what, you need this more because I'm an adult. That kid is a kid. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take you know something directly from a child. Oh no, I feel you there. I mean, if the kid really wants it, they can have it. Exactly. But it's that's the way I look at it. That said, though, I just it's the you and I are adults, and for the first time, we have this adult money that lets us buy these things that we can never get as kids. So, in a sense, we're kind of doing this now to, for ourselves. We're buying the stuff that we couldn't afford as kids. It's not to the same degree because. You and I can just peruse eBay and find ourselves like a Zapdos or Articuno and we can just buy it for ourselves if we want. Whereas I do wonder how that kid's going to act in the future because the idea of getting cards graded and then reselling them later is, you know, mainstream now. But for this kid that's growing up now, that's the only thing that they'll ever have known. Whereas with us, it was it was about collecting them and either playing with them or, you know, storing them for future value. Whereas for everybody these days, it's all about the future value. I mean, some will play them, sure. Some will play. Yeah, I'm sure the kids do. Yeah, but I feel like the overwhelming people just collect them because they realize the future value of it. 
And plus, it's also Pokemon. It's a collector's thing. It's This is Pokemon. This is something that's been with us ever since the mid-90s. People have played this, talked about this. There are so many games. There's so many spinoffs. There's just so many facets to Pokemon. So it was always going to be a hit in that sense. Yeah. It, it certainly tracked to become that. I just want to remind the Pinpoint players that Pokemon is the highest grossing franchise of all time. Its revenue is in the trillion. 70 trillion was its estimated last year. That's not, I'm going to have to say, it's, you're thinking billion. It's upwards of 70 billion. Trillion is what we're thinking about passing in the stimulus in uh, Congress. So that's a lot of money that we're throwing out to people. That's, you didn't tell me Pokemon. Apologies. Yeah. My, uh... <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay, okay. Yeah, they rule the world. Anyway. So for anyone who is on the older side of us and wants to think, oh, why are these kids talking about Pokemon? I mean, we did just come up with a really interesting strategy with the Shining Fates that's coming out within the next couple of days. There are going to be these cards these kids are going to want, and they're not going to be able to have them because the supply has been limited. Now, speaking of children who grew up into adults and have developed money that they are spending on things that they shouldn't be, Logan Paul... Logan Paul has released a second video in which he has purchased six base set first edition booster boxes accumulatively for $2 million. It's just insane. That's absolutely ridiculous. Well, it's just insane because it's insane for the amount of money he spent on it. It's also insane just how much that thing went up in value. I mean, at retail, when those things came out in the 90s for the first run, I think it retailed for $180. Roughly. Yeah, it was around 200 it was uh, it was under 200 200 bucks we'll say high end 200 bucks and Logan Paul was buying him on an average clip of maybe between 3 and 400,000 dollars a pop a box yeah so uh, makes you wish partly his fault but um it makes you wish that you know us and just everybody listening to this and even everybody that's not listening to this just went and bought a box and just forgot about it for 25 years if we had a time machine we could we could do so much so he has uh, decided to change up his format. The first time he did this, back in October, he uh, had a set price, and it was $11,000, roughly, to purchase a, uh, a, a, booster, a booster pack. Well, there are 36, and uh, the, the, the sale of it was essentially, um, you're getting the cards, you're getting the wrapper, you're getting Logan Paul to open it for you, and Logan Paul is going to read a little blurb. So it was a publicity stunt, essentially. You paid $11,000 to have this hyped YouTuber read your name, read your business, you read your tagline, and then whatever you got, you got. You know, there are two people who walked away big with it. Um, Mr. Beast, he got a first edition t a PSA 10 Blastoise, and uh, some other dude not uh, who's not Mr. Beast got a, a Charizard. He got the first edition Charizard. It was some German dude. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then there was even another YouTuber that I watched. There's this finance YouTuber I watch. His name is Graham Stephan. Basically, anything finance that helps people out, he's your man. He helps you out big time. Even he was in this. He um, spent $11,000 to be in this just for the hell of it. And he, even he got himself a first edition Gyarados. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, not a Charizard or anything like that, but still, the, but still the, you have a one in three chance of getting a hollow. So. I mean, Gyarados is a good Pokemon. That's the thing. You have a one in three shot of getting a hollow, and he got a Gyarados. And so, honestly, if you're, if, like you and I pulled our cash together and got a hollow, I would just be jumping up and down because there's still a two-thirds chance of you not getting a hollow. So that was his format back then. Uh, he's changed the format up now 
uh, he released the auction, which is 36, it's divided into 36 different auctions. And each auction starting bid is uh, $10,000. So if you really want to get into this, you're going to start increasing the value of the boost attack, which uh, there's a detriment to this before things get too great. There's that terrifying fear that it's too good to be true and things start to fold underneath themselves and collapse. That's yeah. The way the market's about to, you know, potentially, I hope not collapse with Pokemon, but it's definitely going to definitely going to feel a little bit of a crunch. I mean, yeah. specifically just with the booster packs. I mean, so the auction ends tonight just for the heck of it. I looked at it earlier just to see what the bidding's at. Some of them are just at $20,000 a pack for these. Yeah. $20,000 price of a car more than the price of a car. You can get yourself a Nissan Versa and save about three or four grand after that versus just getting one of these booster packs. So good things, bad things. Good things are if this stabilizes, if after this event, Pokemon card prices don't plummet, this will increase the value of your cards that are in your attic or in your basement. Vintage is going to keep going up. The bad thing is that if you're hunting for things that you didn't or couldn't get as a child, the the premium cards are going to be astronomically unaffordable. I'm speculating that if this stabilizes, uh, we're going to see an, a, an, an insurgence in lower-graded Pokemon cards. So if you had a Beckett 5, if you had a PSA 6, if you had something that's below a 7 or an 8, uh, these cards are going to become more desirable, desirable because A, right now, they're still very cheap way cheaper than an 8 or a 9. So if you're still just looking for that card just to have in your collection because you wanted it, this is an option for you because they're affordable. That's right. And for Tim and myself, we have we sent in a bunch of cards to PSA to get graded. We obviously hope they come back with amazing flawless conditions of 9s and especially 10s and probably some 8s. However, I, have, I personally have a bunch of cards that are considered sixes and sevens because I either didn't take as good care of them as I wish I had done as a kid or just through the years of just moving them around, they just got scuffed up. And then mainly the stuff on eBay that you find now, to get yourself something that's PSA 9 or 10 quality, you have to pay more for it. But if you get yourself something that's, you know, a seven-ish, that Articuno I told you about earlier. So if you want something that's PSA 10 quality, it's probably going to cost you unlimited base sets. That's the third run people were... They, um, that's the third run of cards from the nineties before the first edition or after the first editions, yeah. those, you can probably, it would cost you about a hundred dollars for someone that's either a grade nine or 10 pre-graded mind you. However, if you don't mind a couple of scuffs on it and it's potential PSA seven, something lower end, you could potentially have it for 25 to $30. And then same thing, get that graded, flip it back around. All of a sudden your $30 investment maybe ends up being about $500 um, later this year. And that's to say nothing of what it could be worth in a year or two from now or 10 years from now. So I want to, I want to let the pinpoint players really know that there's a lot going on in terms of Pokemon's uh, 25th anniversary. Uh, there's this uh, Shining Fates set that's going to have all of these cards from the younger generation from ourselves who, who are going to really have struggle. Uh, to which, get these cards. which makes me really, which is making me really excited to get into this the stuff that from our childhood is going to be a part of this. We will be able to preserve for the next generation this 
this year's 25th anniversary cards for them. Um, there's that, the Shining Fate set. There's the McDonald's promotion. You can get a Happy Meal Pokemon cards in the promotion. There's a Pokemon uh, cereal. cereal yeah. There's going to be a cereal that's going to have uh, 25th anniversary cards. And just to, just to you know, encourage the pinpoint players, you know, just get, pick, up a, pick up a Happy Meal, pick up a box. You know, just hold on to the cards. These cards are going to be worth something down the line. Uh, yeah, just get yourself go go in the drive through, buy yourself a happy meal, throw the meal out. It doesn't do what matter. you want with it, whatever. It's four bucks. Get it. Don't eat the happy meal. Yeah, like you said, do whatever you want with it, but keep the card, keep it safe because you never know. In twenty years, you could be sitting on something worthwhile because again, all these things that we're telling you are specifically the McDonald's. It's going to be a limited run, so therefore, you got yourself a limited supply. Yeah, and it's going to be the twenty fifth, so it's going to be a really significant year to snag these up so uh with that being said i want to thank all the pinpoint players for uh tuning in uh please stay tuned for the rest of the second season which will be getting into the third episode of the high score series which is a uh, role playing yep so uh make sure that you tune in through our instagram at pinpoint players leave some comments on our posts you can email us pinpointplayers at gmail.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. And follow us on Spotify. All these things definitely help us with outreach, but especially Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Get our podcasts noticed by folks, and so that way we can get more listeners just like you guys listening in and giving us feedback and telling us what we should talk about next. Absolutely. We look forward to the next one, Pinpoint Players. Take it easy. Until the next one. Until next one.